podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Edwards goes to Standall. Now it's Bennett. JPR, the fullback. Is he going to get his second try? Oh, what a killer blow for the Welshman. JPR Williams, the fullback, scores the try that must sew it up for Wales. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. The Wales Six Nations squad is set to be unveiled. Uh, that will be on Tuesday, probably today, if you're listening to this just as it's come out. Uh, if not, then uh, you already know who's in there. But right now, myself and Paul Reese have no idea. So we thought in this week's show, we would do a couple of predictions as to who we think will be in there and also the players that we would like to see in Gatland's squad. Uh, who knows, maybe I'll bring you a bonus podcast later in the week with some reaction to the to the squad announcement. Uh, and if we do that, make sure you are subscribed. That way you will get alerted every time there is a, a new episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. So you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But as mentioned there, I'm joined again by Paul Rees. How are you, Paul? Good, thanks, Chad. You? Yes, very good. Thank you. Um, lots of European rugby this weekend as well, which is where I'd like to where I'd like to start. Uh, we will start with the Champions League. Champions League. Oh, um, uh, Champions, Champions Cup, League. Even. Yeah, I have a habit of calling it the Heineken Cup still, but uh, it's never been called the Champions League. The uh, the Champions Cup, and uh, yeah, so we had another packed house in Cardiff, and. Uh, a very good opening half an hour, I thought, but after that, it was all too easy for Harlequins, really. What did you make of the Cardiff performance, first and foremost? Yeah, as you say, started well, was it 15 14 up? Mm. Um, I mean, I mean, Quinn's you know, a, a reputation of a, a side that chucked the ball about, and you know, with the likes of Marcus Smith and Kerr, and um, well, any of the back three they, they can put out. I mean, they are dangerous side, ball in hand if they seek space, but they're quite a hard side as well. Um, they've added that to their game in the last couple of years. So I think it was it was, it was was <clears throat> never going to be a case that they would sort of keep Cardiff in it by, by, by taking too many risks. Um, I mean, Cardiff took, took the lead you know, of, of, the, of their own good play rather than, um, rather than Quinn's. But as soon as... Um, you know, as, as soon as that the power took its toll, um, Quinns didn't have to take risks and to just be patient and wait for the wait for the spaces to open up, which they which they did. I mean, you know, Cardiff gave it everything, but um, but it was nowhere near enough. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I kind of felt like the that very clever uh, kick move uh, that, that sets up the set up the first try was a really nice you know example of how. Cardiff had clearly, I think they mentioned in commentary, you know, Cardiff had clearly done their homework and were able to, you know, were able to exploit that. But thereafter, I thought the kicking game, it was all too easy. I thought Tyrone Green was was brilliant under the high ball, but it was all a bit too easy for him. And as you mentioned, they were getting such quick, um, yeah. quick ball through through having powerful ball carriers that it yeah. made it very, very hard for um, for, for Cardiff to, to even stay in it, uh, yet alone get some ball to, to score points of their own. Yeah, in the second half you want to you want a bench to be able to to freshen it up and 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 again Cardiff didn't <clears throat> didn't really have that and as soon as Thomas Young went off, um, I mean the breakdown just became um, just became really really profitable for for, for Queens then and they um, they raced away with it. Yeah, they did, and yeah, some massive. I thought some massive performances from from the the Quinns players. You know, like you, yeah, as, you, as you'd anticipate in the back line when Marcus Smith gets that. That amount of quick ball, he looks very impressive. Danny Kerr was very good with his kicking game. Esther Hazen's a 
you know, I think he's just such an important player. He, you know, I'd, I'd fancy a go playing outside half with Esterhausen inside me. You know, it's just a, a magnificent player. Um, but the the one who really stood out for me in the back row was Chisholm. I just thought he, his uh, his work rate is phenomenal. Those hits were brilliant in defence and attack, and it made it really, really difficult for Cardiff all night. Yeah, they played Sale not so long ago when they turned them over at the stoop and he had a big game, big game that day and against uh, against Gloucester as well. He's um, having an Indian summer, but but after a couple of um, sort of injury plague seasons, he's last few weeks he's really come into his own chism. He has, and he was one of a number of players to sing the, the praises of the atmosphere at Cardiff Farms Park on Saturday night. As we said a moment ago, sellout crowd. Uh, yeah, I think whatever that is these days, 12,000. And clearly something that left its mark on on the visiting team as well as the, you know, as well as the home team. Now, regardless of Cardiff not getting the results, I think that this should genuinely be something that, that's quite encouraging for them as a um, as a side, that even though when times are tough, I think they're playing a brand of rugby that will get will get fans excited about them. And and there seems to be a bit of a feel-good factor even though the backs are up against the wall really yeah absolutely and and um, i think we said it last week you know you just want to you know it, 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 good game to watch regardless of of, of how likely cardiff were to pro- progress the, to the last 16 you know de- decent opposition old traditional fixture cardiff worth watching you know get down there and and, and support it and, and and the number did and in fairness they're not <clears throat> cardiff not a bad side at all and I thought, you know, I thought the outside half went um, went really well. Um, with, he's gone well. He's gone well all season, hasn't yeah, he? You know, yeah. to to say he was signed at the eleventh hour, and yeah. you know, I thought the first couple of games of the season he looked solid, if unflashy. But the, as the season's gone on, he's looked like a real. Yeah, you know, I think he's become a firm fans' favourite there already yeah. because he's. Um, you, can, you can do it. You can do an awful lot. He looks good in attack as well as uh, you know, as, as well as doing the nuts and bolts. Yeah, no, he, just, he looks, looks a good sign. Pity Thomas Williams is going because he it was a good battle with with Williams and Kerr. Um, you, you know, each um, had had their moments, so it's not a, not a, not a bad bad side at all. Though. The problem is, is a you know getting back into the tournament next year. But I think you're also seeing this year just how how far ahead some of some of the teams are. I mean, I watched. Um, I watched Bordeaux yesterday against Saracens of all teams. Massacre, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was almost uh, almost the same score as England France at Twickenham last year. I think that was fifty three ten. This was fifty five fifteen, and um, I've no, I haven't seen anyone do that to Saracens. They absolutely pulled them apart with Jalabert running it from from outside half. I mean, Saris are normally good at slowing it down and and and, and tackling and getting over the ball, but phew, they couldn't get couldn't get close to them. And and similarly to lose in Ulster, I mean, it was what two to one points. You know, teams don't do that to Ulster at Ravenhill, do they? But they don't. You know, and you're right. Teams teams don't do that to Saracens anywhere, really. No. But I think it is a sign of just how strong that that uh, that that French league is. You know, uh, that's a massive understatement. But I think we're we're beginning to see it more and more. You know, French French sides have have handed out hammerings to. To Welsh sides in the you know the, in the mm. Champions Cup over the years, but to hand out hammerings like that in Ulster and 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 at home to Saracens is, I think, is a real you know a real warning that if they take if they take it seriously, they it's going to be very very hard to beat the French teams in in the, in the oh, Champions when, Cup. When, yeah, I mean you, you know I mean and and again we're going 
going back to what I said about Cardiff, you, the, the benches in, in France, you, you know, Bordeaux have got that um, big, huge Tong, Tonga captain prop. I didn't <clears throat> pronounce his name. So he goes off after about 55, 60 minutes and some even bigger brute comes on. And it's, it's, they're just able to, 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 to keep it going. La Rochelle looked the same. I mean, they were against Leicester, who they, um, who, who they put 45 points on and, and you know, three yellow cards. At one point, they're down to 13 men and they're the ones who scored the try. And um, But, you know, just, just, just take big players off and, and, and uh, others are on the bench ready to take their place. It's, it's a sort of seamless thing and it's... Um, that's the you know that that it that is the level and and it's again we've talked about it before with the, with the regions it, it's so difficult to replicate that when you're operating on half the budget. Well, it is exactly that you know you've got um, you know you've got so much left in reserve that you can as you say you can afford to empty the tank and bring on international quality players and and that's all that's always going to have a. Yeah, even when you have a close game for fifty minutes, the bench is so important now at every at every level of rugby. And I do I do wonder, you know, just what that will mean for the long term health of the competition. Because the French sides and that, and it's testament to how brilliant their their league is. You know, it's it is the Premier League of rugby. We've said that before. There is so much domestic interest. It's the best quality. You know, you're seeing more and more stars from from further afield go over and and playing there. But the I suppose the concern is. Is that you want a competition to be competitive, and you don't. These massive mismatches aren't brilliant for for any um, for any level of sport, I don't think. And and as I say, when you when you're seeing sides like Saracens and, and Ulster get taken apart, it does make you think. Well, in the long term, how are people going to be able to compete with with the French sides in Europe? <clears throat> when you think about it, you know, some like Owen Farrell being linked with Racing ninety two and Stuart Lancaster said after the game in Barton, he says he, he would like to sign him. Um, you know, Billy Vunapola, top of him going to France. So, you know, Saracens weak, could be weakened mm. further next season and, and, and French sides strengthened. Um, you know, Sinclair's been offered a contract by Toulon, I think it is. So it's, um, it's, it's a, yeah, that, 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 that is a big worry. But, you know, in any, <clears throat> in any sport and, 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 and the, the Premier League in, in, in England is a prime example, you know, players will move to where the money is. I mean, it's a professional game, so you, you, you're bound to, aren't you? Oh, of course, and you can't blame the players. But no. I suppose yeah. that the thing that rugby has had, or perhaps certainly with England and Wales in, in recent times, is you have had legislation in place to stop players going in order to further their international career. And that's well, and, yeah, as we discussed to a certain point last week, that's well and truly gone. And that, you know, the, the lure of, of the red jersey or of the white jersey, whatever it is, it, it, it is not enough now, and that's that's something that I think both those unions are going to have to review pretty, you know, pretty quickly. They, well, they will because they, you know, you rely on the incentive of the national jersey to keep players, and it's um, well, it's not proving enough of one. And you know, New Zealand found that a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah. Losing players, <clears throat> whereas in the past they'd come for a, a sort of you know a pension. You know, now they're, they're, they're leaving you know, at a very, very young age and, and they responded to that by allowing them sabbaticals. And it, <clears throat> it may be that, um, that, that, that England and Wales have to do the same. You allow somebody to go for maybe a two-year period, you know, two-year contract in between, in between World Cups. Um, but, uh, um, I mean, otherwise, you just, you just face the... It's almost humiliation, isn't it, of of of, of setting, setting something in motion to keep players in your country, and it's it just doesn't work. 
Well, it doesn't well. It's, it's reached that stage. And, you know, we've seen other unions have something similar. You know, you think back to uh, whatever the that Matt Gitto law that Australia introduced to, you know, to uh, whatever it was, players with over 75 caps and happened to be called Matt Gitto were allowed to play <laughs> during, the, during the World Cup. And, you know, we, and obviously, don't, um, they, they, in, a, in a way, you could argue they use it to their advantage because they've got such a strong domestic scene, as we were just saying before we came on air. They've got such a strong domestic scene in terms of playing numbers that they'll all get game time with the uh, uh, with the major South African sides, and the others go and ply their trade in Europe. So you've got, you know, you could have a you could have a, a Northern Hemisphere Springbok side playing over here without really needing to bring any of the any of the home based talent over. That's how that's how how far afield their their talent has been spread. And you know, I, I think that is unique to South Africa because of the the sheer volume of, of players they're able to, you know, they they kind of churn um, churn out. But it's, it's something it's something that everyone else is going to have to be. I, I just can't see it. it can't stay as it is now, and expects you know expects England and Wales to to continue to be competitive when they're losing top quality talent. Exactly, and then and you know, if you're if you're taking the job as England head coach, <clears throat> judged by results. You know, you're entitled to be able to pick your, your strongest team or what you consider to be your strongest team. The same same for Warren Gatland. But they neither will be able to. And do you see anything changing anytime soon? Because the 60-cap law that we've seen, you know, there's now the 25-cap law that we've seen in, in recent years is probably the only iteration of that that's actually worked in Wales. If you remember kind of going back, the original Gatland's law, whenever that was, 2008 or nine. It didn't really work. There was always exemptions and loopholes, and and that got tightened up a lot more under the sixty cap law. And it seemed to do enough to to work for a few years. But um, now they're, they're going to have to do something. And with Wales, there's it's even more because England at least produced lots and lots of players, whereas in Wales we have a much more limited pool. And when you have a top quality international who, or you know, potentially a top quality international leaving who you're not going to be able to select. It's going to have a knock-on effect. Do you think? Do you think Gatland will be knocking on the door of uh, of Abby Tierney and Co. and saying, like, right, we've got to we've got to fix this pretty quickly? I would <clears throat> I would suspect so. Because if you remember, even with the the sort of sixty cap rule when it snared Reese Webb, <clears throat> there was the twenty nineteen World Cup. I mean, he was, uh, yeah. he was he was talking there about you know about whether you could could get round it because you could have ended up with a with an injury crisis. And, and your best scrum off, you're, you're unable to, to to pick him because he's not playing in the country. Which which again, you know, you're going to a World Cup. You want to you want to field your your best side. So I would have thought yes. And 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 again, at the time, at the time when the regions are having their budgets cut further, is it realistic to have that policy? Is it fair to have that policy? Because what you're expecting players to do, effectively, is to you know. Um, be paid far less than they're considered to be worth. Now, would any of the executives on the Welsh Rugby Union put themselves in that position? You know, take 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 a take a lower paid job, a far lower paid job. I suspect not. I mean, you know, these these guys are professionals, and I yeah. think you know, in in the light of the of the budgetary constraints on on the on the regions, then you know, they should, is 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 that rule not 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 effective? Which is which is doubtful in itself, but is it fair? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any 
any suggestion that it's fair now, really. I mean, you could argue it wasn't fair to start with if you're not able to get market value for you know for, for what you're worth in a very short career, but certainly not now. As you say, that you t- you know you take um, yeah any any player who's not going to be able to uh, be offered a new contract, an international who might be on 15 caps, and you have to you have to go and take the money elsewhere. And if it, I just don't see anyone winning with the the current the current setup. As I say, in previous years, it has been a benefit to the national side and a knock-on effect is at points it has strengthened the the regions because certain players have come back to, to play. But it where you know, the, as you say, the financial changes has just meant that it's not um it's it's not going to be sustainable as it is. Um just to I guess to play devil's advocate briefly, some good news for Cardiff in that they've seen uh well what looks like Mason Grady is gonna is gonna stay. Cameron Monette has signed a um, has signed a, a contract extension as well. Would those players have stayed anyway, or do you think, and particularly in the case of Mason Grady, do you think that that the fact that 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 current law is is in place has uh, has encouraged him to stay? Yeah, because well, I don't think you know. I mean, obviously, he's got the example of Joe Hawkins at um, at Exeter to look at. I mean, maybe you know, Cardiff have, 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 have found a way of, of being able to keep him because if the likes of, of, of Sale were certainly interested, I mean, they, they, they admitted their interest. I mean, Bath were speculated, Bristol were bound, bound, bound to be. I mean, again, they would have offered him potentially a lot a lot more than Cardiff. So, yeah, maybe maybe that. But I, but I think also he's, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's a young man, he's starting out, isn't he? And, um, I mean, the Hawkins thing was, was different because he was, he was effectively on an academy wage at a loss. And unclear about what what he would be offered, so you know perhaps Grady's great, great thinking, you know make 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 his name, establish himself in the in the Wales team, which he would which he hasn't done, and then two or three years time, if the financial position in in Wales hasn't improved, then you can look to go and either won twenty five caps. Yeah, he's got absolutely. he's got he's got he's got time on the side, doesn't he? Doesn't have to doesn't have to rush into it. He does, but it's um. I mean, it's definitely we're talking about that feel-good factor around Cardiff Arms Park at the moment, and I think players like Mason Grady are absolutely integral to that because he is such an exciting prospect to watch. And every time he gets, to, I mean, you know, he had a pretty quiet game on uh, on Saturday night, but he has been one of the standout players all season yeah. and has looked, you know, has looked uh, absolutely frightening with ball in hand at times. So I think uh, you know that that will be that will be good news for everyone. Uh, everyone associated with the club. Uh, right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to review the other regions who are in action in the Champion. Oh, blimey, I'll get, I'll get my words right at some point. Who are in action in the, should we call it the UEFA Cup? Just seeing as I, I seem to be going down the route of mixed metaphors, let's, um, we'll, uh, we'll have a look at uh, the regions who are in action in the Challenge Cup in the next part of the show. And then, as you say, later on, we will be uh, previewing and uh, putting our wish list together for players we'd like to see in Warren Gatland's Six Nations squad. But first, it's this quick break. Right then, Paul, I've got my teeth in. Let's see if I can get my brain in action and uh, and try and call them by their correct competition name. So the Challenge Cup, uh, the Ospreys were in action on Friday night in what was, uh, it was certainly an absolute dog of a first half. And um, But that said, Ospreys again have got the job done. Uh, they were, you know, by far, uh, by far the better size, got the result. And uh, the fact that um, results elsewhere you know Newcastle taking it, taking a hammer means that they're they're going to be in the next round of the of the Challenge Cup. An opportunity 
um, an opportunity to to potentially secure a um, a home uh, a home tie next round if they if they're able to get the result in the final in the final game. As we said before, it does feel like this Challenge Cup is you know is a good opportunity for the Ospreys um, to fight a war on two fronts. You know to have to have a decent cup run and also to uh, to potentially secure a place in the in the Champions Cup for next season. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the same for for Gloucester, who are in the, who are in. The, I mean, you know, unlike Gloucester, and Gloucester are bombing in the in the mm. Premiership, but it, you know, it, it it offers it offers salvation in in the season, doesn't it? And, and I mean, let's face it, they're on they're on a bundle of strong teams in this tournament. Getting you know, getting to the knockout stage, and you know, who 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 knows what you can do? So yeah, definitely a huge. Um, Huge opportunity in, in, in fairness. I mean, Perpignan, again, they're not going brilliantly in the top 14, but French side, put them away comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're not, uh, as we said before, you know, French sides in Europe don't always, uh, you know, if, if they're hot, they're really hot. But if they're not interested, they are um, yeah. very, very disinterested. And Perpignan made a, a bunch of changes, but... That said, the Ospreys have got twenty injuries at the moment, missing yeah. lots of lots of frontline players and a very thin squad. Anyway, you know, Derry Lake was uh, was forced yeah. into playing open side flank, which he managed for five for five minutes before um, before limping off. So, you know, no, nonetheless, I think it has to be uh, you know another tip of the cap to Toby Booth for just getting the job getting the job done. I can't imagine he was massively you know he was massively impressed going into the halftime break, but again. They, uh, they they got the result, which is which is the most important thing, and uh, they they just do seem to have that that knack of being there. I think they're probably the hardest team in Wales to beat at the moment. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, Cardiff uh, maybe slightly easier on the eye, but um, def- defensively, um, the Ospreys look look a bit more solid. I mean, they had. Um, I mean, Owen Watkin looked um, <clears throat> looked uh, looked looked good on um, on Friday. He did. Yeah, I mean. Become the kind of the forgotten man of uh, mm. of Welsh international rugby. I think Gatlin held him in such high regard, didn't he? You know, when he was a Good. when he was a youngster, pick, picked him in a World Cup quarter final. Um, you know, admittedly with a you know when when Jonathan Davis was injured, but you know he was. I think he was one of only three specialist centres in that squad, and, and was playing this time last year. I think. Um, yeah, I think he certainly played one or two games in the Six Nations. What's kind of what's happened there? Do you think? Do you, you know, is it? Is it just a, a temporary form thing? Is he hit a bit of a kind of mid-career lull? Um, what's what's the what's the route back for him? He had a few injuries at the wrong time as well, I think, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the route back is to, is to play like he did on Friday, and mm-hmm. um, you know, again, I, I mean, Tompkins, twelve in the World Cup, and went went very very well, but I mean, he is he is based in England, isn't he? So, I mean, Gatland will. will you know, I think always. You know, if it's a fifty-fifty call, we'll lean on on somebody who's who's, who's in Wales and will be available throughout the, um, you know, throughout the, the the campaign in the final weekends. But um, yeah, just 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 put a run of performances together, isn't it? And just just give Gatland a, a decision to make. Yeah, and I suppose perhaps is it is international hopes might have been helped by a sending off for Johnny Williams for the Scarlets, which. You know, might might well make life difficult again. He's one who's perhaps struggled for a for a bit of fitness and form in, yeah, yeah. in recent times. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this. I mean, VR and football. You know, as, as somebody who watches football regularly as a season ticket holder, um, 
VR annoys me immensely because it's it's it is it is by essence inconsistent because it is it is it is it is not about making objective decisions such as did the ball cross cross the line it's a simple yes or no VAR you're entering into the realm of the subjective and therefore you, it, it will only add to confusion rather than take away from it now you know Williams gets sent off for that for that challenge for the for the skulls against Clermont. And and there you are watching Bath play wrestling yesterday, and about five minutes in, Barbieri does virtually the same thing and just gets a yellow card. Yeah. Now he's been cited for it, and he's been cited for the the one five minutes from the end of the game. I would say you got the you got the rarest of things of the two yellows in rugby, didn't they? Yeah, but both he's been cited for both. Mm. So they will only consider you know the 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 the, the ban for the for the um, the red. The second yellow red. If the two sightings fail, but I can't see how the first sighting. But I just couldn't see at the time how he remained on the field. And you know, and someone like Williams was just scratching his head, thinking, "Well, you know, I got, I got a straight red." And I'm not saying Scarlett would have, would have won, would have won that game. But <clears throat> you know, they, what little chance they had virtually disappeared when he went off. You know, would would Bath have, have, have beaten Racing yesterday if if, if Barbieri had gone after five minutes? Probably not, but no, it's, the, it's the it's the inconsistency, and this is, you know, the, the 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 point of the bunker system in the World Cup is to try and eliminate all that. So you were having, you know, you're having you know, a, a, a small group deciding these things. So if you were saying, you know, you know, you 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 had a clear sort of red card threshold, and once it was met, that that was it. They were staying off, but now you're back to the old, you know, different sets of officials, and uh, I'm you know. Uh, I, I, very, very, very frustrating. You're almost better off, you know, unless it's a really blatant, horrible example. You're almost better off giving everybody a yellow, and then letting letting the disciplinary system mop it all up. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd argue the other way, to be honest. I just argue. I, I mean, there's just too many grey areas. I think if you're serious about changing player behaviour, there needs to be clear-cut reds which both of those were in my eyes and if, if they're both reds then there's no, there's no arguing you know and uh, but we've reached a stage where there's too there's too much mulling and mulling over it and looking for mitigation and that in itself results in inconsistencies it results in in more yellows um rather than reds and i've said before i don't really subscribe to this red cards ruin a game you know they 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 can and they can't. I, I just think it's 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 part of the game. And if you're if you're trying to safen things up in terms of contact to the head, then I I think there should be less grey areas. I'm not saying hand out red cards for the sake of it. I'm just saying if you're going to err on one side, personally, I I think erring on the side of it's a red unless there is a you know a, a really clear example of um um you know of mitigation and. That's, I think, what needs to happen. Or you have to change the tackle height. But they've got, they've got to get a hold of these this at some point. Because again, it's just the, it's just making the game a lot less enjoyable to watch when you're losing time to deliberating and well, yeah. no one's happy yeah. with the outcome. Well, I mean, I'm, well, they've got to change the tackle height, haven't they? Because they've done this at the community games. So you can't have kids brought up to tackle in a certain way. And so, you know, if they if they the big time, they can, yeah. they can go higher. I mean, that's just a nonsense. Once you, to me. You, you start at the professional game and then send the tackle height downwards, but they they didn't. They because um, the World Cup last year they went they went community level where you know the the, the high tackles and concussion rates are far far lower than you are. Of course, 
and so the need the need to change was 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 right at the top. But they've um, they put it off and put it off. But they can't they can't put it off indefinitely because of the changes implemented below. So no, you're right. I mean, it's um, you know these, these challenges are, are still being made. And in in the in heat of battle, when you've got a split second to react, um, it's 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 not inevitable, but it's it's a, 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 as close to inevitable as, as you can get. But all all. All you can ask as as, as, as players, coaches, and, and supporters is is consistency, and to have one to have the same offence meeting different outcomes is, I think, um, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not good for the game now. No, absolutely. To bring it back to the Ospreys, which is where we started. Uh, Lance Bradley uh, was announced, uh, whatever it was, about ten days ago, as the new uh, the new CEO, someone who was. Um, Forming that senior role at Gloucester, uh, was it Mitsubishi Motors before Mitsubishi, that? Yeah. And um, he's come out last week and saying that uh, exploring a, a ground change is, is high on his uh, his priority list, uh, which I thought was actually quite an interesting thing to come out and say in your first week in the job. Yeah, but I mean, you know, what did they get for Pippin? You know, four and a half thousand? It was. You know, which it, it just rattles around in the. What? What's it, Swansea.com stadium? I, mean, I always think it was a Liberty Stadium, but it just rattles around in there, doesn't it? So you, you're not you're not generating um, not generating an atmosphere. So, so absolutely right. I would, um, I mean, I, I, I would in his position, I would have it higher than the list of priorities. And and again, you know, as we talked about before, if you're you know if you're going to be sustainable as a professional side, you've got to have your own ground. Got to. It's 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 an absolute imperative because it's. You know, you look at the one of the reasons Exeter were able to to survive and then thrive in the Premiership was because they owned their own ground and were able to make use of it seven days a week rather than on the eighteen or nineteen weekends when they hosted the rugby match. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I suppose it then leads on to the question: Well, what's the what is the solution? Is it somewhere new, purpose built? Is it a um, is it a redevelopment of St Helens or the Knoll or the Brewery? Any thoughts as to as to what you think might be the best solution? I mean, the redevelopment of St Helens would be um, wouldn't be the worst, but I mean, how much could you redevelop when the far side of the field is overlooked by by houses? Hmm. So it's always it's always been you know standing there, isn't it? You haven't put any anything with a roof on it, so that you're not impeding anyone's views. If you were to try and put a stand there with a roof, um, I suspect you might meet. Meet planning objections, and that's you know ideally in the, in the ground is what you want, isn't it? You want you want stands on on both sides, and then behind the post facilities um, for the uh, for corporate hospitality. So that might be um, might be beyond them in uh, in Swansea pity because it's a it's a it's a really good draining ground, isn't it? Which is um, which is I, I, ideal in uh, in Wales. Otherwise, they'd have to have to find something that was purpose built now. Again, that, that that requires that requires investment. I mean, I mean, again, we talked about this before. It's a, just a great shame that um, you know, in, in in Britain, there isn't a, a huge history of local local authority involvement with um, with with sport because you know the French model, I think, is is, mm-hmm. is superb. That um, and it's not just a rugby club, is it? I mean, you look at all, you know, you look at all the um, uh, all, all 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 the French clubs. Um, like Perpignan, and, you know, ASAP, isn't it? That's right. That's Perpignan, ASAP, because it's because it's uh, it's a, where they are. They're a federation of sports, of which you know, rugby's rugby's just one part of it. La Rochelle, the same, all of them the same, and that's you know that's what you so it's, you know it's it's a local sporting hub. 
so it's you know won't be very often the biggest part of it, but you know a bit like Cardiff Athletic Club, Newport Athletic Club, which was now a federation of sports, and you know if you had if you had that, then you know there would be to really justify sort of um, local government investment. But I mean, I know I know they they got involved with um, with the Swansea.com stadium and, and Parker Scarless, but it's. You know, it, we don't have enough of a, of a history of it and the, the important role that sport plays in the health of the nation. I suppose, you know, the, and this is me thinking out loud, having very little to no knowledge of, uh, of planning laws. But if you were to look at something which was a um, vaguely close to that is you have got a big university in Swansea that is, you know, I suppose a, a sporting hub of, of sorts. You know, it's not it's not unthinkable that they, there's something with the with the university to be to be done. I know it's been mooted in the past that again they could they could both make use of make use of that um, as a grounds. And again, you'd hope that if you have a, a facility of that quality, then there's an argument for the for local government to to really promote it and and get um, get local you know local residents and schools and, and communities to to be able to use those facilities as well. Exactly. Exactly, and then you know, and you you lay a you know three G or four G surface on this, and 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 you know, you go to the Arms Park, then you can you can use it all year round, can't you? Um, and so 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 it does become a community asset there, and um, it's it's. I mean, I know these are these are these are tough times economically, and local authorities um having you know just to, to slash their budgets, but you know this this isn't just throwing money at something to me. It's it's, it's an investment. In investment in the in the health of the country, and it's um, you know you get a massive return on it. Yeah, absolutely. Just to finish then on the Ospreys, they're away to the Lions, which is a tough trip, and again one of the logistical problems that playing a you know a European competition with South African sides in throws up, and they'll have to do it you know without without a lot of players as we as we said. I suppose you know the Lions aren't the strongest of the of the South African sides. You still target this one, and um, you know, looked at to get the, the best possible result out there. Is this a winnable fixture, Paul? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. As you, as you say, there. I mean, you, you can't say they're the weakest at the moment because the Sharks have had a, have had a shocker, haven't they? And I think the Lions won at the Sharks in the in the, um, in the URC. But yes, I mean, it's one you would um, you target. It's just it's just a pity. All you know, both in both the cups, how many um, how many of the games between South African and and um, and 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 other sides have um, have seen both teams at full strength. Yeah, no, that's the exactly that, right. The team that travels tends to leave a load at home, doesn't even you know even like last weekend when you had a, another European weekend to follow, you can understand it to an extent if you're going over there to play on the weekend and you you're coming back and you've got a Friday night game, um, and if you're leaving on the on the Sunday or the Monday. Like Newcastle found last month, their flight was cancelled, so they didn't get home till the Tuesday before Friday games. You can understand that, but last weekend, where you got another, you know, Champions Cup or Challenge Cup um, weekend following, I, I mean, I mean, the Jake White of the Bulls said <clears throat> the reason he left his spring box at home is that under the um, under their sort of um, you know player agreement with the South African Union, they've got to give him a f- um, five consecutive weeks off. During the during the campaign, and because they had two um, non-league weekends um, last month, he thought that this would be the time. Even though there were two Champions Cup weekends, but he said, you know, if you give them four weeks off and then bring them back for the fifth, you've got to start the process all over again. They've got to serve another 
five weeks on the so it's just easier for him not to um, not to pick them. And then they'll be back when the um, when the URC picks up again. And so it's it's it. But it just seems you know all the you know getting the South African sides in there and the you know what the what, what the television contract over there is worth to bring to it. It's just a pity that um, that so far you haven't had. And you know, Sale went to Stormers, and they 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 took a weekend team on, on the weekend, even though it was a game they needed to win. It's just just a pity for the tournament. Well, it damages the integrity, doesn't it? And it, yeah. you know, it's, again, it's it's closely linked with rugby's underlying problem of there is not enough money to go around. Therefore, you have to explore all these opportunities. And there's too much rugby played. Yet the answer is always let's play more rugby or let's yeah. have more teams. And as a yeah. result, you end up with a with yep. a real mismatch and, and it, it does really damage the integrity and you end up with yes you do have more games and unfortunately that that ends up with more games with bigger mismatches and less you know as we were saying in the first half there are enough mismatches even when you've got sides with their first you know with their their first choice 23s out so yeah when you've got players you know or teams going over to, to South Africa or vice versa um with uh, with heavily weakened sides it just does nothing for the for the overall, uh, for the overall integrity of the tournament, it's it's just it just doesn't seem to me worth it to have to have South Africa in it. If um, with all the, the extra travelling, um, the logistics that goes into that, the cost, um, it doesn't seem worth having them in. If if most of the matches involving their sides, you know, teams are below strength. Just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, isn't it, without seeing the the financials? But all of it feels like a, a short term. You know, a short-term kind of sticking plaster, rather than answering the long-term problems of how do you make the game more more valuable. And uh, again, it just it just feels like a bit of a short-term, a short-term temporary fix. But you know, once you they're can, in, you, the second size will want to stay in. Oh, of, of course, of course. And you know, come 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 the last sixteen qualifiers, there's no excuse then if somebody's somebody sticks out a, a weakened team for, for the following week, then you know they they deserve to be to be punished for it but um i don't know it just seems to me the way the way it's heading um jed it, you you can see the game just just really narrowing at the top like like a, like a sauce bottle mm. so that you have your global season and then you almost have like a super club global super club tournaments so you just have a an elite core of players hiving off you know on this on this professional circuit and then your leagues your local leagues Below them, almost operating at, at semi-pro. I know France will regard that proposition with absolute disgust, but it, it, in the end, it'll they'll go where the money is, isn't it? And I think that's um, you. You can't. It, it, to me, <clears throat> I asked Jake White about this after the game. You know, should South Africa come into the six or six nations, and is that a is it a logical consequence of of their teams being in the in the URC? He hoped not, but. It, 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 you know, you've Australia and, and and Argentina and New Zealand in that have been left adrift. Argentina out just Super Rugby, Australia, New Zealand in it with with Pacific Island sides. But that lack of contact with South Africa for the you know players below Test level, um, I think I think will will hurt New Zealand and Australia in the long run. And you, I think just... yeah, I think it has hurt New Zealand actually. Yeah. I, I I think that's definitely the the feeling that I've spoken to, yeah. to some New Zealand fans. Um, and those close to the game that they miss that the, the battle hardness that, that playing yes. top South African sides yeah. and domestic gives you exactly, and 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 that's and that will have to change because you know New Zealand are the are the biggest draw in the, in the world game regardless of whether they won the World Cup or not, 
and and you know that 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 they you know that they join the ranks of the of the ordinary, everybody will suffer suffer from that. So you you can just see something happening in in, in the coming years that it'll 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 taper at the top, and as I say, you'll have a you'll have a select group of players from 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 all the countries who are virtually competing on a on a on a professional circuit, um, which which brings in the money to to feed the grassroots. Interesting. And uh, just uh, sticking with South Africa for, for one minute, we haven't mentioned the Dragons yet. They missed an opportunity away at Zebra, but they do have a chance to still progress. Uh, they're at home to the Sharks this weekend. The Sharks' fortunes have been much better in the, in the Challenge Cup than they have in the league. Dragons have won, uh, I think, the last I think the last three home games. So we'll be hopeful that they can they can get that. Again, their European form has been much better, even though they've missed two two golden opportunities in the last two games. Uh, again, do you think uh, do you think the Dragons will be able to get get that result at home to the Sharks? Again, what, what sort of team are the Sharks going to bring well, over? Yeah, that's the big question, isn't it? It's it, is, is the URC for them the following following weekend because South African uh, I, I can't remember South African teams sort of edge up, but um, I mean it's a bad result against Zebra, wasn't it? I mean, and there's no there's no getting getting away from that. Um, yeah, I, I think the following weekend is Bulls versus Lions, actually. Right. Right, so so no, no excuse then for them not 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 coming over. I mean, John Plumtree's not not with the Sharks now, as he's gone back to New Zealand for a family family emergency. So um, so he won't be getting a, a return to Wales. But that yeah, I mean, Dragons have got to win, and and you would have thought that what happened in Zebra will be a, a boot up the backside for them. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I would say as well as we've covered, those home wins have come with a bit of a caveat. You know, a huge slice of fortune against the uh, against the Scarlets with a you know a, a kick that um, a kick that Sam Costa will never you know will will never <laughs> repeat. I don't think so. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, it's, it is an opportunity to put something in. Uh, you know, get get another um, get another knockout fixture on the on the go. So I think I think it's an important what important game of the season for the Dragons, given that there's again as usual nothing to fight for in the league. So. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully they'll be able to get the result. But we're going to take one more quick break. And then when we come back, we will be turning our attention to the Six Nations and to Warren Gatland's squad for that tournament. And that is coming up in just a moment. Right, time to talk internationals, Paul. Before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, we've you know, seen another weekend of European rugby, which, I don't know, so I suppose going back eight, ten years was always Warren Gatland's form guide. Uh, because you had a lot more Welsh involvement in the the higher tier of it, I, he, I don't think he ever particularly trusted what was the Pro Twelve or Pro Fourteen as as kind of a good way of gauging a a player's international capabilities. Whereas Europe was always able to do that. How how do you think this yeah this um, this current incarnation of the of the tournaments will um, will affect his thinking? You know, will he be looking at Cardiff's Cardiff's um, fixtures and saying, well, actually, they've been playing against top opposition, therefore I'll hold that in, uh, you know, as higher form versus some of the players who've been, you know, been playing, I don't know, maybe for the Ospreys or the Scarlets in, in their games? Um, potentially, I think, again, when it comes to the close calls. I mean, it was interesting, I was watching that, that, that game against Quinns and, you know, looking at Thomas Young. And you think, you know, all those years that he um, he spent with Wasps in England and he was he was rarely picked. And one of the, you know, one of the excuses given was, well, you know, he's not available for us all the time. He's, you know, can't play the fourth international, got to go 
back to the, his club for the two fellow weekends. <laughs> he's likely to miss out to a bloke who's based in England now, isn't he? So, um, but I, um, I'm, you know, I, 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 I thought he, um, I thought he went very well for the, um, what was he on, 55, 56? Mm. He went re- really well. And the sort of, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, I think what's, you know the, the the first thing with Wales is 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 how are they going to shape up, isn't it? What what how are they going to look tactically? What's their what is their game plan going to be? I mean, you know, Gatlin's first period in charge wasn't a question you ever had to ask, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I think but I think you do know, and that will that will that will influence selection. So I mean, I don't know the size of the squads he will pick. Normally, normally for Six Nations. He's gone for a smaller squad and experiment yeah. in the autumn, but does he? Because of the World Cup, because it's um, start of a new cycle. If you like, does he? Does he add on a few more names uh, this time just to get them in the camp to have a have a have a closer look at them? Yeah, it's a great point. I, I mean, I suppose the first the first thing within that is, yeah, you're right. It, it's determining what the the style of the players. I, I think you're right. I think because of the situation where he's taken over, I think this will be a I mean, not that you ever experiment that much with the Six Nations, but certainly having a look at players, even if they're just in the squad, uh, to get, you know, I think we said this a few weeks ago, you know, looking at someone like Mackenzie Martin, I don't think he's likely to to, to give him a start in any of these games, but I think he will have a really close look. A bit like he did last year, really. You know, he had a a real mix in last year's Six Nations squad of, um, you know, seasoned internationals and then players like Chunza and Hawkins and Grady, who'd, who'd come in. I think a, a big part of that was, well, let's have a look and see how tough these guys are and if they're ready to, to go to a World Cup, if there's something I can work with. This time around, obviously, he hasn't got a World Cup to focus on straight away, but I do think there'll be a desire to look at some of those players and and see and test their mettle and and see, you know, right, how does how does a Mackenzie Martin or a, a Cam win it or a or a, a Morgan Morris or maybe even a Morgan Morse fit stand up to, to international level training and um, and everything that goes with it. Yeah, I mean that um, that James Fender he looked all right for the Ospreys, didn't he? On uh, on, on Friday, now, I know he. Went I off. think he is a colossal talent. Yeah. I really yeah. do. He looks so much more yeah. mature than twenty two. Yeah, I mean he, he went off injured. Now I don't I don't know what the extent of that was, but um, he, he 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 looks a handful. Yeah, he's got everything. I think he's like, he carries hard. Uh, he he looks like a good lineout option. He's still you know he's pinched a few uh, pinched a few lineout balls as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I, I think he's someone. If he's fit, he'd be in the mix for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it looked, um, it, it didn't look great, did it? But um, I suppose they got, a, they got a couple of weeks. But again, yeah, I think I'm, I'm Catlin's good at that, isn't he? If he, and, and I mean, Eddie Jones was with England. If he saw, so if he, and and again, what you know, I remember asking Jones about it because he called up these apprentices and and then blokes who sort of left field, and I, I sort of said, well. Is it is it you know how they played? And he said, no, it's not how they played. It's just something he saw about their character. Maybe a fierce will to win and refusal to give up. You know, you, your team's thirty points down, but you're still hitting everything as hard as you did in the opening wins. That's what he was sort of looking for. And I think Gatlin's Gatlin's are sort of the, the same there. Is it's not necessarily they've had put in a man on match performance, but they've shown certain characteristics that he thinks will you know could, could serve him in, in in the test game. Oh, I think he has a, a very clear idea of what makes a test player. And that's, you know, that's part attitude, part attributes, part physical ability. And yeah, all of those kind of things roll together. And I think he's an excellent judge of it. Yeah. And that, I think that's what you've seen in the past, you know, 
when, you know, like say, for example, when Alex Cuthbert was out of form, he just didn't fancy any of the regional wingers to be good enough to, you know, even though they were in better form, he didn't fancy them to to step up and, and fill that shirt. And to be honest, I don't think that did Cuthbert any favours because, you know, his confidence was suffering and he probably would have benefited from going back to play to play for Cardiff at the time. But I think there's that thing that he just knows what makes an international quality player. And that's that's, I think that's the first point on, you know, like a, if, if there was a, a checklist, that would be it. Warren Gatlin would look at them and go, right, test quality, yes or no? Yes, okay, where will he fit into the squad? But if it's, if it's a no or a maybe, I just don't think he'll, you know, I don't think he changes his mind on those things very easily. No, no. And, 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 and you know, I mean, after all he's achieved, you know, he deserves, you know, his judgment to be, to be respected. So if he hasn't picked somebody, it's, 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 it's for a good reason. Yeah, and broadly speaking, I think he's got those he's got those decisions right in the past, yeah. and you know, and like you say, he's got more than enough credit in the bank. Outside of the the style of play that that they that they're going to want to um, they're going to want to look at, he has got a, a dilemma around who's going to captain the side. Now we we did touch on this last week. You know, Jack Morgan obviously unlikely to to play any part in the Six Nations following the uh, following his operation. Um, I think he's the long-term future as, as captain, personally. Uh, I think given the job he did at the World Cup, Jamie Lake was co-captain there. He's gone off with a, a you know, an injury that again we, we're still waiting to. It was, it was, it was hamstring, wasn't it? And that that leg didn't didn't have, didn't have much, much uncovered by bandage, didn't it? Anyway, so it's I mean hamstrings are not normally you know quick turnaround, are they? So that could be um, that could be an issue. And I think you know, even if it's even if it's a, a good diagnosis, chances are he might well not be fit for the first game. And again, which which straight away means, well, who is who is going to be who is going to be skipper? We mentioned Dav Jenkins last week as someone who's been really really impressive. Uh, Adam Beard has been captain in the Ospreys. Do you think it could be a bit of a um, a bit of a battle between two second rows as to who might be the skipper? Yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I, I mean, I I I, I, th- I think Jenkins is a is definitely a future future world's captain. He's got many of the attributes of say something like Alan and Jones had in the past. I mean, a really, you know, really a player so mature for his age. I remember interviewing him a couple of years ago when he barely had a handful of games. Um, Frexer talking about his father, funnily enough, but uh, um, he 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 just he he just struck me there by you know normally you interview somebody of that of that sort of aging and experience and you, you don't get a lot out of them but he was you you did out of him he was really really impressive um but whether whether Gatland would invest the captaincy in somebody who's not based in Wales politically not that he'd worry about that I don't suppose but um you know is it does it does, does it provide a good look should you should your captain be, be based in the country given that you've got that 25 cap policy but um but i i i i, I think jenkins would make a make a very very good captain and you know what what, what i would hope is that he you know he he, he cements a, a a starting place in, in in the side yeah well i mean that's the that's arguably the trickiest bit i've got no qualms with him being captain whatsoever i think he's i think he's probably the best choice in terms of the uh the yeah all the all the qualities it takes and again it's another really exciting young Welsh leader uh, in in the mix. I suppose the, the difficulty is, is you've got, uh, I think you've got a very settled second row mm. there and, and you're going to need to go into the, 
because there's going to be so many changes elsewhere in the side. You've lost your seven. You don't know who's going to be playing hooker. You've lost 10 and 15. There's a real spine to that side that, that's kind of from the World Cup that has gone. Yeah, you your, your number eight's not going to be fit. And your number eight, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I don't that, know. That, I think that, that's, that's that, probably the... That's, that's, that, your, your spine is five players. There's only the scrum off surviving in the spine. Yeah, so it's it's really really difficult. I don't know. Um, yeah, that that would be my only that would be my only concern. But if I, I do think he's at, he's he's the outstanding the outstanding choice for it. I I, um, I I just think you know, like Alan, when he's one of those, you know, follow me, and it's not so much by what he says, but by what he does. And and you know, for a team that that that, that is is undergo will undergo change and has undergone change a lot in the in the last twelve months with Gatlin coming back, I just think he's it's a sort of player and character that um the, the Wales needs somebody somebody to rally around and, and as I say forget forget his age you know he mm. will um he will he will he he could he can be that figure but because he's based in England would he be politically a good good fit for the captaincy I would I would put that to one side and and, and just give it to him and he's, he's certainly worth worth his starting place I've no doubt about that thanks and I presume then with Beard dropping out and Rollins alongside him. Yeah, yeah, I think Rollins definitely. I mean Rollins is um you know, I mean he came very late to Tesla. We didn't mm. need another another guy was, but he's um no he he looks the part Rollins. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he's been so important for for Wales for the last couple of seasons. So um another problem position is tight head prop and uh yeah we, uh, I, I believe Provence are going quite well in Pro de Deux and um, I suppose you, it, it's good preparation for Thomas Francis playing in France because whatever level you're playing, there's plenty of scrummaging action. Oh, crikey, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd firmly expect him to be to be in that uh, that starting three shirt. But outside of that, I don't think it's it's necessarily that straightforward. Like Henry Henry Thomas was there during the World Cup, and then Dylan Lewis was alongside him. I think out of the two, I think Dylan Lewis will make the squad. I'm not entirely convinced Henry Thomas will. No, well, I mean, Dylan Lewis, he came on on on, um, on Saturday night, didn't he? He's got to try. Mm. But he, uh, he, he won the scrum penalty pretty quickly, didn't he? So Gatlin was in the, in the box with a note of that. I mean, he, he, you know, won't have, um, you know, the, the move to Harlequins won't have heard Dylan Lewis any, uh, anything. I know he he's he's not their, their first choice uh, starter at a college, but he's, he's had a share of minutes this season. What about uh, the... I suppose the player who came in the other direction, Reese Litterick, who came from Harlequins, has been kind of playing quite a bit of rugby for for Cardiff. He's he's Welsh qualified. Is there any chance that he might be in and around that squad? I would have thought he's, he's certainly going to be talked about, isn't he? Because um, how many? I mean, again, we because we don't know the, the the size of the squad. How many? You pick three hookers, won't he? If he can, um, I think there'll be three hookers, three tight heads. Would be my guess. I would have thought so. So it's you know if, if if Francis and Lewis are your first two tight heads, then there's, there's... I, would, I would guess Azarati would be the third. Then if that was the case, I think I you know I think again the, even though he he didn't make the final World Cup squad, there was you know there was enough positive noise from Gatland about Azarati and yeah you know, again I think with the right um, with the right guidance, I think he I think he can be a test player. Yeah, I mean again again you know with with. With, with Dylan Lewis, the, the, the fact he's playing at that good level of Harlequins, of course, he's got Adam Jones at, at the stoop as well, sort of bringing him on, isn't he? So, 
I would have thought I would have thought there's every every chance there. Yeah. What then about the the problem position of number eight? Uh, Toby Falato has not played since breaking his arm during the World Cup, but he is Falato. So uh, if there's anyone who Gatland will go out on a, a limb for and and having a squad on the off chance that he'll be there for the for the latter stages, it will be him. But you're gonna have to find someone else, someone else to, to do the role in the short term. I would imagine. Yeah, well, he's got him. He's good. You know, a few you've mentioned them before. Some of the young ones, um, Morgan Morse going well for the Ospreys, isn't he? And um, yeah, I mean, he's looked, he's looked phenomenal for, oh, for an eighteen-year-old. Um, and again, again, we go back. We go back to the to, to the style of play. You know, again, in the world, the biggest such a um, such a commanding influence. You know, a bit like Farrell with England, isn't it? I mean, it's it's you know very much the dictator of play. And he's gone Costello. You can't expect him to replace if he if he's fixed the yeah, the concussion, didn't he? On he the, did, yeah. On the weekend, so he's going to miss miss this weekend. Which I, I would imagine he's all right for Scotland, but he's not. He's, he's different player, the bigger, isn't he? You can't expect him to to fulfil that role. So so will Wales look to be. Um, not more adventurous, but um, you know, seeking space a bit more often rather than contact all the time. And someone like you know, someone like Morse, you know, running, galloping in 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 open fields, building up a head of steam that way. I think you know, and 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 it was just I think we mentioned it last week. You know, Gatlin's newspaper column a couple of weeks ago. He's just talking about speeding the game up. You know, so when there's a scrum, you. you you, you form, a, you know, you set your rate up immediately, put the onus on the opposition to do the same, get referees to make a decision, almost like a sort of guerrilla warfare thing, mm. and um, to 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 overcome maybe a, a lack of, you know, relative lack lack of size, but just um, you know, just a sort of cuter, smarter rugby, focusing more on the unexpected. Cause there's so much analysis done now on teams. You can just you can just see Wales trying to pull a pull a few surprises because if it's I'm okay. The first games against Scotland, but you know you got you got England away, Ireland away, isn't it? I mean those games. You don't know, outpower those guys, do you? Really? Exactly. You're exactly. Certainly not Ireland. Exactly. You need a you need a few tricks up your sleeve, don't you? And I think that I think that's what he'll be he'll be looking looking to do this season. And then you know you bring through some of these younger players who maybe not an awful lot is known about, and that sort of that can that can that can help you. Now. I mean, ultimately, as things settle down. You know you're going to need to be able to, you know, to, to compete in in those areas with teams. But for for for, for the Six Nations, you know, without I mean, you know, Ireland um, coming off the back of a, you know, even though they played really well, I thought even in the game they lost, but the back of a disappointing World Cup outcome. France the same, and you know, Ireland got a couple of players injured. France missing Dupont and Smackerson come back yet. I mean, Bougarit was injured for La Rochelle. Dante went off. Um, so you know they they could they could be you know they they could be well down on the on a few you know who, who knows just just you know I, I think Wales will, will will mix it up a bit um, this tournament and and, and yeah. just just try and be um, you know be maybe maybe cuter than they were in the in the in the in the 2010s when they you know they had a formula that worked very well for them. That said, I still think Aaron Wainwright will play it if. Uh... If, if Falatau isn't fit, um, again, it, it almost just shifts the dilemma. So, well, who do you who do you pick on the on the blind side? Then um, could that be? So, I've, I've 
Has, has Dav Jenkins ever played on the blind side? It's very fashionable to have a you know a hybrid. It is, yeah, a it hybrid is, yeah. six lock it now. Um, obviously, we saw him try it with Chunza last last um, last Six Nations. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's not something. It's not something that they've they've nailed really because. Wainwright is, you know, is definitely a back, you know, he's an athletic back very forward, isn't he? And I think he is the best choice at six if everyone's fully fit. But in the meantime, what do you, you know, what do you, uh, what do you go to? For the benefit of the listeners, Paul Reese is consulting one of his, uh, one of his Bibles here. I'm looking at Exeter's teams last season, see if Jake Kidd's popped up at six. No is the answer, but they are many right. had debuters. Um, so no, he never, um, he didn't last season, and he hasn't. He hasn't this season, as he know. Um, so, um, I mean, whether whether he did in in, in in the Premier Cup game in the past, so. mm. but but you're right. I mean, it, it is um, you know it's very fashionable now, isn't it, to sort of have have um, you know Courtney. I mean, Courtney Laws probably the um, the best example. I mean, South Africa do it all the time, don't they? And, you know, the number of times Moster pop, pops up on the on, on the blind side, a big. Big, big second row. So, yeah. I mean, if if it's in keeping with your kind of you know surprise tactics, though, I, I suppose that if you haven't got someone who fits the mold, and then you know perhaps it's best not to perhaps it's best not to to force it. Um, which would probably leave then you know what what are the what are the alternatives? We've heard Reese Ruddock's name be mentioned. Yes. Um, I get the feeling, and again, listeners, if you're listening to this late, you you will know now whether there've been surprises in the uh, in the squad. But I get the feeling this is going to be another surprising Gatland squad. That there's going to be a couple in there that you're going to raise your eyebrows at. Um, is, 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 uh, do you think Botham's going to chance? No. no. I, again, I, I could be proved wrong, but this this could age like milk. This statement, um, but <laughs> I I don't. I'm just not. I'm not entirely convinced that Gatlin rates him. Um, I think he, you know he's a he's very athletic. Uh, he's got you know he's got a, he's a good strong ball carrier. This is not you know, it's not my my assessment. I just wonder whether he fits the mold for Gatland as to whether he's yeah. You know, he's, he's, I'm not sure anyone is entirely convinced what his best position is. I think I personally think it's seven, but um, I don't know. Maybe may, I, I could be wrong on this because there is a there is a, a clear opening at, at six if you move Wayne right to eight. So. Maybe, there, maybe he there, does. I'm, I'm just not entirely convinced that he fits he fits the bill for Gatland. Because, I mean, Josh McLeod was mentioned, but he's injured now as well, isn't he? Mm, yeah, in true Josh McLeod form, he kind of always picks up an injury, doesn't he, at the, the worst mm. possible the worst possible time. But, there's, yeah, there's no, you know, there's kind of no standout. I just, part of me just wonders where this, this Reese Ruddock thing has come from um, because it seems so out of left field. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look, the one I really like, if we're talking about Cardiff back rows, I think Alex Mann's got bags and bags of potential. He's a top tackler in the in the URC this uh, this season. Which again, I, you know, I, I don't read a huge amount into stats anyway, and that's probably not the the best stat to um, to be too much into. But I think he's been, I think he's been a really, really good um, uh, player for them this season. Made the step up very, very well. Again, probably didn't have his best night on. Uh, on Saturday night, but he's the one I think has got again lo- you know, loads more to give in the long run. So I think I think he's going to be a player who features, it's a, features it's a, a lot but more. It's the sort of night you learn a lot, don't you? I mean, Queen's got a good back row. John Brandt, you know, he's oh, yeah. great last season. Chisholm is having a you know real re- real sort of second wind, and Will Evans, you know, one of one of the, the top breakdown flankers in um, in the country. 
Yeah, no, exactly. So, uh, and you know, again, it's not just who your opposite number is, is it? When you're playing in the no. back row, it's the no. speed. It's the speed that they're they're playing off the base of the scrum. And you know, you, you're right. You, you learn an awful lot on nights like that. I, I think in the long term, I, I see a player like Alex Mann being more of a Gatland player than yeah than perhaps a Jim Botham. But yeah, but you know, Botham's got a Test match experience. He's he's fit again. So look, he might he might he might have a chance. But there's something that for me, just says that I don't know that he will be Gatlin's kind of player. Yeah. He's not He's not picked in to date, has he? I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm going off I my memory. Got, I, I always think of a both of them as a, as a kind of a pivot. You know, kind of come yeah. through during, during pivot's time, really. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, yeah, I, mean, but... I, mean, I mean, you're right. He'd love to, he, he love to, you know, fulfil certain criteria for, for, for Gatlin to pick him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then let's have a let's have a quick look at the backs then, Paul. Um, scrum halves, I imagine, would you know, likely to be likely to be the same as the World Cup with Kieran Hardy alongside them. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the Scarlett said that that um, oh, I've forgotten his name, young kid on the on 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 the weekend, didn't he? Because, Archie Hughes. Um, yeah, one one yeah. for the future. Oh, definitely. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Thomas Thomas Williams then could be nailed, nailed on as, a, as the starter number and and then outside half Costello if fit but I mean concussion missing missing this week hasn't had an awful lot of rugby has he since the the World Cup just he needs needs a little bit of luck but I I I would imagine he will he'll be he'll be the pick there yeah I think so too I mean again there's not a huge amount no there really into, into, now Sheedy's picked up a knock as well yeah, Owen Williams is. Owen Williams has been struggling with with fitness. Um, also, you know, so again, it really leaves the the two scarlet the two scarlet players plus then someone like either a, a Ben Thomas or Kai Evans to to fill in in what's probably not their first choice position. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, and, and Yoan Lloyd, I think would be would be a bench option because he can, can cover well. You can, Cover virtually the whole of the backline bar scrum half, and then I think he did have an outing at scrum half for Bristol once or a half there. But um, you know he would, uh, and you know, having someone like Johan Lloyd on the bench gives you the option of a six-two split. Yeah, it's not again. It's not something we've seen Wales do that often, is it? Really, nope. the six the six-two split. There's there's more and more of it happening now. I, I kind of think you you only do a six-two split if you've got the if you've got the personnel to do it though. You know, it's great for South Africa because they've just got they've got bags and bags of meat to be able to to bring on, and uh, I kind of think we'd be better served having having the options having the options on the bench. Really, um, you know, I, I'd rather have a I don't know a, a specialist a specialist winger to come on than have Johan Lloyd covering the wing. I think he's to me, I think he's a ten or a fifteen, um, and they're they're, they're going to be his, his best positions. You know, I'd rather have him on the bench with. A Mason Grady or a Rio Dyer to come on. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I'm twelve. Twelve is not bad. I don't like, but I think no, you, you know. I think in the past, you know, teams put three backs on the bench, and you know, one of them, generally the outside back, you know, gets two or three minutes. Hmm. Well, it's a bit of a waste if you're, you know, if you're going to have three backs on the bench, you scrum half, obviously. But if you're going to have two other backs on the bench, I think you, you know, you've got to be prepared to um, to give them more than a couple of minutes. You know, you've got to expect to give them more than a couple of minutes. Otherwise, I think there's more merit in, the, in having a six-two because you will bring forwards on. What about the back three then? Because again, there's lots of young talent knocking around. We know, obviously, we've seen uh, Liam Williams move on. Gareth Anscombe's a player who you know played ten and fifteen over the years, and certainly kind of 
does some did some covering in in that regard as well. We've said this before. Lewis Rizamit is probably the the easiest pick in terms of players who are currently in the setup, but it depends on the style of play. If you want a second ball player at at fifteen, um, my my preference would probably be to go with Zamit at fifteen, just because again it gives you that opportunity that if he if there's some loose ball and you get it in his hands, he just has that you know that sprinter's pace to cause damage. And so for me, that's that's where and, you know, and he's solid under the high ball and everything else. So for me, I, I would just have him there. He can get more hand, more time on the ball rather than picking a rather than picking a, a um, I don't know, a, a second playmaker at ten. What would you, what would you be tempted to do? We scored a very good try for Gloucester on yes. Edinburgh, didn't he? And oof, he with fifteen on his back, I believe. Yes, he was playing full back. Yeah, he sliced them from. Did, did you see the try? I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah from a lineup of 50, 55 yards, just using his pace. I, you know, I mean, the last two um, regular fullbacks were Wesley and Williams, half penny, both started on the wing, didn't they, and, and moved. But I think a difference between them and Reece Sam, it was their tackling. You know, I mean, half penny, brave as a lion's in the last, I mean, it got them into trouble a few times with head knocks, but, you know, Liam Williams the same. Is Reece Sam in that mould of tacklers? I would say not, and I wouldn't want him doing that I, I i i like him on the wing and, and you know you can get him involved bring him into the bring him into the midfield get him off that wing i would i'd prefer resume on the wing but you know you've got josh adams and dyer as well and if he considers that he wants to start all three then resume will be the one who moves to fullback um but i do think um i i, I do think as a last line of defense you know that that's 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 still important in the fullback and i'm not sure Resamit, and it's not to question his bravery or anything. It's just um, I'm not sure that's the um, that's his biggest strength in his game. I no, I agree. I, I just I would see it as a short term fix as putting someone there who's got lots of lots of experience now, even though he's only still what 22 years old. So he's got <laughs> amazing. You've got bags of experience there. So oh. I'd be you know the awareness and the positional awareness to play fullback, I think is good enough. But he's, he's um, got to get his hands on the ball more often to jam. Where's well, the got to I, I think there's more, I think there's more opportunity to do that at fullback, even if it's from a, you know, from a misplaced kick. If you, if you're, if you get into a game of, of aerial ping pong, there is always the danger that Zanet might run it back at you and spots a mismatch. And there's a loot, you know, there's a loose forward in front of him and he skins him for pace. And he's I gone. think that's, that's something that the oppositions would be wary of. Um, so I would see it as a short-term thing until you're happy to, you know, to, to put in a, a Cam Winnett or a, a player like that who I think Winnett to me is an out-and-out fullback. I think he's got, you know, he's he's good under the high ball. He's got good feet, runs good. He's almost mm-hmm. an old-fashioned fullback. My only concern is he's not. I think, well, my, my only worry because is that he's not big enough. I don't, I'm not saying he's not, but you just never know until someone goes in at, at international no. level. But I, you know, he's he's a player I get really really excited about. Um, so I think he, you know, he's a player who's got a long-term future there. Um, yeah. But yeah, in the short term, I'd be looking to move Zamit. And then on the on the wing, I suppose Rio Dyer is the obvious choice then to fill in. But I don't think you can ignore Mason Grady's form. To be honest, he's looked he's looked deadly on the wing, and he's just he's just so big. It just gives you it gives you a big ball carrying option of which Wales don't have a huge amount. Um, but I'd be I'd be tempted to I'd be tempted to put him into the mix. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's, he's, he will be. He will be. Um, he's certainly in the frame, isn't he? And 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 again, it's 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 what um, it's what what you're looking for. And if it, it's it's just you know, some lightning attacks, isn't it? Then out and out gas, and you got 
sort of Adams, Rizam, and Dyer. A lot of pace there. Mm. A lot of pace. Um, and Grady, I mean, Grady covers position, so does he, does he start on the bench? Yeah. Could what, be about right. Grady, what about Grady as a fullback going forward? Uh, um, I don't see him as a fullback. I think he's, um, yeah, I, I think, he's, I, to be honest, I'd always seen him as a, as a centre, but he's done such a good job on the wing and they bring him in off the wing a lot, you know, like Wales used to do when North first came into the yeah. side and, um, you know, and they did, with, they did with Cuthbert at times as well. I think that that kind of fits, I don't know, it, it seems to fit the mould. I, I, I've really enjoyed watching him play on the wing and, um, yeah, again, he's not a winger who doesn't, who, doesn't get his hands on the ball. He gets his hands on the ball lots, and I think it's very easy to utilize him like that. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I I'd be tempted to explore it, but yeah, certainly in the long run, I think he's a, a wing or a centre. Because what I mean, the one thing, what you know, Wales, you know, we talked about the one one thing that that they haven't got, um, or that we've talked about, is that second playmaker. And if mm. you are if you are going to look for all these, you know, sort, sort of you know, players moving around behind, if you like, so they're not, you're not setting up conventionally, um, you know, and, and, and given Kosolo's, again, sort, sort of relative inexperience, having that second playmaker, your second five, and if it's, you know, if it's not going to be a, a fullback, I mean, you know, Tompkins, good player, but he's a 13, isn't he, playing, mm. playing 12, he's not a, he's not a 10 playing 12, it's that, it's that, it's that second playmaker that they will, that they will be lacking, and I don't really see, um, and, you know, unless you picked Johan Lloyd at, at at fifteen, and, and even then, you know, his, his experience at ten is not is not massive. Um, but he would be more of the the second playmaker mold than than anyone else. I think he's the only option really uh, uh, as a as a second playmaker would to be have would be to have Lloyd at fifteen because you would be able to get him get his hands on the ball a lot, come in play play first receiver, and also still pose a threat. We're you know on on turnover ball or or, or loose kicks, so there, there's there's definitely something in that. You know, I, it would be exciting to see him play 15, I think. But um, I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating. Even though the squad will be, out, I still don't know that we'll be any the wiser as to who's going to line up in that in that 23. I think it's going to be an absolutely fascinating Six Nations from a selection point of view for Wales. Yeah, and it'll, it'll a lot of it will come down to training because that that's what Gatland places the greatest store by, isn't it? How they uh, you know. How they sh- how they shape up in in training again not not just the, the 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 training itself or the or the sort of matches they will arrange and sessions they will arrange in there but you, you know how within within the squad how they you know how they how they sort of evolve you know the how they you know make their make their presence felt and 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 you know that's that's something we we ne- we never see um, which is which is why. You know, it, it is much harder these days to, to sort of talk about selection because you know they will see things that we don't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will uh, we will find out soon enough, Paul. Um, again, if you're listening to this later on, you will already know. But uh, we'll be uh, continuing to explore the uh, the potential of that squad over the next few weeks. Uh, so, a big thank you to Paul for joining us. Thank you to everyone who has been listening. Uh, we'll have loads more content over the next few weeks as we ramp up ahead of the Six Nations. And finally, a thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top quality coffee, you can do that. We're going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. Uh, right, that's it for this week. We'll be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. 
Social Podcast Network.